Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Medic's Mind, the podcast. Uh, this is not a blog read episode. This is uh, just an episode where I take my introspective uh, bleeding and uh, put them onto the microphone. Uh, what I want to talk to you a little bit about today is regret. And uh, it's it's been something that's uh, been festering in my mind over the past couple of days. Specifically, last night, something happened that really sent me into uh, a deep ruminative place. And uh, I kind of want to talk to you guys about that. So that's coming up next on A Medic's Mind, the podcast. Welcome back from the lovely guitar riff there. Uh, so, like I said, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about regret. And, um, and I, it's been something that's really been uh, hitting me um, quite a bit in the introspective tank lately. And last night, uh, there was an event, like I said, that happened. And, and it was an innocent event and something that we all go through and that we all do. And a lot of us probably navigate those waters without uh, any second thoughts. And uh, I used to be one of those people that navigated those waters without any second thoughts. Actually, that's not true. I, for a long time, I wasn't doing any of that. Uh, what I'm talking about is buying milk, the simple act of buying milk, uh, you know, buying groceries of, of some kind. And last night, what happened was I, I went to, to buy milk. I went to go and, and get myself some milk. And, uh, you know, you, you, what do you do when you buy milk? You, you look at the expiration date, right? And, uh, and I did. I looked at the expiration date and it said December 8th of this year. Now, De- December 8th is significant for me because that's my mother's birthday. December 8th, mom's birthday. And I I was taken aback by that just because uh, this date holds meaning now, especially uh, with the fact that my mother is no longer here. And knowing why my mom is no longer here is is deeply troubling, and it's going to remain a really sore spot for me for a long time. I mean, it's it's barely been a year that she's been gone, and so when I picked up this carton of milk and it said December eighth, and uh, I I wasn't able to just dismiss it, you know, instantaneously, and then just carry on. about I I looked at the date, and I was like, oh shit, that's December eighth. That's my mom's birthday. Fuck. All right. And then, uh, so I, I didn't, I, I, you know, I didn't put the milk down and get a different carton, uh, cause I was afraid every single one of them were going to say December 8, December 8, December 8. And I was already feeling the, the tug of rumination, um, pulling at me. And so I decided, I was like, okay, just go pay for the milk, go home. It's just milk. It's just an egg. Every carton has an expiration date. This is a thing. Go, go, just do the. So I was talking myself into doing this, but when I was standing in line, because of course there's a fucking line. And when I was standing in line, I just, I, I started diving in that, that, that pull, that tug of introspection was, was winning. And, uh, and I started thinking about my mom and, and, and the past, you know, year that she's been gone and the, the time leading up to, to her, to her death. You know, when I, my mom has, my mom has never known me as a sober adult. 
No, she never got. She never got the. I never got to introduce her to that. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I was problematically drinking since I was 18, but I mean, I was drinking since I was 18. I, I, I would say probably normally at a normal level, whatever and I'm doing air quotes again, because I don't know what normal would be, but I would say not problematically. It wasn't really, uh, an issue and it certainly wasn't there. It wasn't for the therapeutic benefit that, uh, I had adapted alcohol, uh, to later on, uh, throughout my time, uh, as a medic and, and, uh, and as, as a troubled man, a troubled guy. Um, so she never knew, she never knew me sober. I mean, uh, in the, the latter part of her life, uh, I used to phone my mom every day because I, you know, I lived in Ontario. She lived in, in BC. It was a three hour time difference, but I knew that on the nights that I woke up from nightmares or I was afraid to sleep, I couldn't go to sleep. I knew that my mom would, would be awake. Because uh, she was awake quite late at night as well, and I would I would phone her and I would talk to her and and we would um, you know we would talk about the world and the state of the world and the state of our our world and um, and I you know there was I I, I talked uh, I talked to my mom so many times drunk I just phoned her and I was drunk and I hey mom how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine I'm just drunk and uh, you know and, and then there were times where. I mean, my mom never phoned me very often. It was always me phoning her. But, you know, I'd be hungover and I, I'd, I'd want to check in at least. I would want to go and, and see how my mom was. So I'd, I'd phone, hey, mom, how are you? And uh, and I was hungover. And then my mom in the later stage of her life was really depressed and really down. But a lot of her, and she was angry too. And I think all those things kind of, uh, you know, are, are part of the same family. But she was angry uh, towards us, towards her kids. And so a lot of times the conversations were rather venomous towards me and, and saying, you know, I, I bet you no other mother has to have, deal with kids like, like you guys like this. And, and, and that was hard to listen to. And I, uh, I, I eventually put up some boundaries where I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to partake in those conversations. I'm not going to listen to that. So I, I, and being hungover, I had less, uh, you know, uh, less density to, to absorb some of that, uh, misguided, um, frustration from my mom. And I, so I would cut conversations short and then, uh, and then I'd be depressed because I just heard my mom talk about how terrible we were as kids. And so I'd, I'd go drink again. Um, and not to mention the fact that, you know, feeling the hangover and then, uh, wanting to drink that away as well. Uh, so that's what I would do. And, um, you know, I now, now that I'm sober, I, I feel more attentive to what's going on around me. I feel more attentive to me even with, with how I'm feeling and with the, 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 uh, emotions and things that, that kind of come to, to me at different times. And I, in, in doing that and being more attentive to that, I'm certainly more aware when it comes to therapy and I'm more willing and uh, adaptable to the modalities that my therapist is, is putting out there into the ether for me to, to work on and 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 it sucks because my mom never got to meet that version of me she knew the ptsd version of me you know she i when i told her i was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder i had to explain a little bit about what ptsd was and it was funny because my because my mom actually could never pronounce ptsd she could she was like whenever i'd phone her and uh and she decided to check in on me she'd be like hello matt how's your pcs pst how's your pds how's that going for you How's your PSTD? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have an STD, mom. Luckily, knock on wood, but uh, yeah, it's fine. It's going fine. Um, 
you know, she 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 knew the troubled side of me because I, I would fall, sometimes I'd phone her and I was in tears. Uh, you know, I the last time I spoke to my mother was October, and she passed away in November of 2017. And I spoke to her uh, in the middle of October. That was the last time I ever got to speak with her, and sadly, it was via text. Um, but before that, in September, I remember I phoned my mother once in September after I'd woken up from a nightmare. Um, and it's a recurring nightmare that I have. It's about a 14-year-old boy that I responded to as a paramedic. And, and he he committed suicide by way of hanging. And it was a, I'm not going to get into the details of the call. But it was a troubling call. It was a hard call. And, uh, and I remember phoning my mom after a nightmare uh, where I had sweats from my sheets and the laundromat uh, around me was closed. So I basically I had no clean sheets to be able to put on my bed. Um, and so I woke up and I was uh, sweating and, and I grabbed I grabbed a beer uh, from the fridge and uh, I phoned my mom and I was like, please be awake, please be awake, please be awake. And she answered the phone. She was awake. And I, I remember the minute I had just phoned to just talk to her. I just wanted to be like, hey, mom, how are you? And just to kind of distract myself a little bit. And the minute that I heard my mother's voice, my mother's tone, that euphonious tone that that stays with you, that, you know, that, that, that familiar accent of my mom's, hello, Matt. I, I broke. I started crying right away. I, I, I disintegrated into childlike wails again and I was just crying on the phone and I was trying to explain what what was going on I was trying to explain what had happened to me and what was what was the reasoning behind my call and I I tried I tried really hard to explain it to her but I was I was hiccuping through you know agonizing breaths uh, of emotion and I I Eventually, you know, I was on the phone for long enough that I was able to calm down a bit and I was able to tell her mom, I just had this nightmare about this 14 year old kid. I, I told you about him when it happened. Um, cause I did the day, so the, the call with this 14 year old happened a few years back and, uh, I would see probably around 2013, maybe 2012, 2013. And, I remember, I remember the day, I may not remember the specific year, but I remember the day. I remember I came home, it was a day shift. I came home and, uh, you know, kind of dealt with the, the girlfriend situation, which wasn't good. But the next day I remember phoning my mom and, uh, before, like, as I was heading into work, I, I had phoned her on my, on my phone. And, uh, of course I phoned her, I phoned her in my car, sorry. And I told her about the the day prior. I told her what had happened. I said, "Yeah, this is what happened. It really sucked, Mom. It's, it was a really hard call." And um, you know, I I didn't really know all the the intimacies behind why that call was so hard for me. And it's something that I'm working through therapy through it in therapy right now. But I I I remember talking to her and telling her just how terrible this was. How how horrible that call was. And then I was on my way to work and she goes, Oh, well, what are you doing then? And I was like, I'm, I'm heading into work. She, you got to work again. I was like, yeah, it's, it's, this is my second day shift. And then I got two nights after this. And, um, you know, so when I had that nightmare all those years later, you know, uh, back in, in 2017 and I, I told her about him 
again and and she uh no she she was uh i mean my mom my mom didn't really get ptsd you know she she got it in the way that she she just tried to support me as a mom right so it was tough for her to really understand the the uh the intricacies of of post-traumatic stress and that's fine but she really in that moment that that specific call she really did get it and she really did seemingly understand how much pain I was in and maybe it's because she was in pain herself for her own reasons and because I was unattentive towards anybody else I was just you know I was I was focused solely on distraction all I wanted to do was make this pain go away so I was using booze I was using uh you know distraction of going to the bars and and flirting with the pretty girls and uh, trying to to saturate myself with as much external uh, distraction and stimulus as I possibly could so that I didn't feel any of this stuff. So when I was talking to my mom, you know, I feel now, now that I have, you know, retrospection on uh, which can be a gift and uh, and a curse, um, I feel like maybe I missed maybe I missed my mom's pain. Maybe I missed her talking to me. And I know that's a terrible path to go down, but that's that's what was happening when I was standing in line with this milk carton looking at my mom's birthday, knowing that my mom's birthday's coming up and she's not here. She's she's expired. And I'm holding this carton of milk in my hand and I'm in line and all I want to do is leave. I don't want to be in this fucking store. But, you know, I need some milk. And I'm just like, I'm trying to yell at myself to be normal. Just be normal, Hennigan. Everyone goes through this. Everyone has to buy milk. Everyone has to stand in line. This is a normal part of living daily life in in the urban sprawl of a brash and bustling city. And and so and I tried. I really I did. I, 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 I stood there and I could but I could feel the sweat coming. You know, I could feel it in between my shoulder blades and then I felt it at the the base of my neck. And then I was like, ah, oh, geez. Like and then I could feel the emotion swell. You know, it started coming from just above my stomach, right? Right where right where my sternum starts, and then it, it started swelling upwards and then it got into my throat and then it started making my throat uh, you know, swell up with that that distinct that that the distinct feeling of you're gonna cry. You're gonna fucking cry. And I, I swallowed hard and I swallowed I kept swallowing hard. And then, you know, I, I, I made it through. I made it, I I paid for the milk. Um and then I, I instantly left and went back into the in the street and I was lucky because it was raining last night. And so even if I was crying nobody would have fucking noticed. And uh it's rain is the greatest camouflage for a sad person. It really is. And uh, so I, I, I did. I let a couple of tears go as I was walking back home. But I started I started gnawing on the bone of regret. I just started. I, I kept replaying those things. I was like, man, if I wasn't such a fucking drunk, maybe I could have heard my mom. If I wasn't such a fucking, you know, lout, I could have heard her. Instead of just asking hear her to hear me, I could have I could have heard her. But those things are all just, those things are not healthy to go down. They're not. Nothing about that is good. And I know that. And and I know that it, it doesn't lead anywhere good, but it, those are the things that are happening. Those kind of regrets. You know, I I do regret, now that I'm sober, now that I've, I've had some 
some sobriety behind me. I just celebrated 100 days, which I know is infancy in in the in the grand scheme of things. Don't get me wrong; I'm not delusional and thinking that I, you know, I've surpassed these huge milestones. I'm I'm clear. I'm good now. That's not what I mean. But I, I 100 days is 100 days. It and in and with my mind, where I'm constantly inside of it. You know, I've lived an entire life inside my head and I, I, and I've, I've experienced a lot of things that play around in someone's head, in my head specifically. And so it, for me, those questions, those regrets come in and I, 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 I wish that it wasn't the case because I, man, I wish that I could introduce myself to my mom now. Hey mom, how are you? I sent her a picture of me because I was a lot heavier uh, when I when I was drinking and I was swollen and bloated and you know I sent her and she goes oh I don't even recognize you I'm like I know I don't I don't actually recognize me either and um, since I stopped drinking and I stopped eating out all the time and I've put a more concentrated effort into making meals at home and having some sort of an exercise regimen it's I'm starting to recognize physically uh, who I am although I look tired and a lot more uh, aged than, than what I remember, but I never got to send my mom these pictures. Uh, there's pictures of me when I got out of rehab and I was smiling. I never got to send my mom's pictures for the last years of my mom's life. All she knew was a drunk kid and someone who couldn't go to sleep at night. Someone who phoned her crying in the middle of the night. And, um, when, uh, the, the days leading up to my mom's death, I, I was in London, Ontario, uh, seeing the Veterans Affairs um, occupational therapist and, and a psychiatrist to have a, a drug, uh, like a pharma, pharmacological consultation uh, about some medications that could potentially help me. And, um, and after my appointment, I sent my mom a message via text. She never responded. But I sent her a message saying, you know, hey, I just went to the VA. I got some meds. I'd really like to talk to you. Please stop doing this. Please talk to me. I think that was the last text I ever sent her. And, um, yeah. I regret, I regret a lot. I do. I, I regret, I, re- I regret being the way that I was for so long. I, I mean, I know that I, I mean, I'm still in pain, and to be honest with you, there are times that thinking about having a drink would just, you know, just to say fuck it, get a case of the fuck it alls, along with a six pack. You know, there's there's days that those things come into my mind because sometimes this life is really hard, and I know that anyone listening can attest to that because life is hard for everybody. It's not uniquely hard for me. It's just hard, subs- like subjectively to me the same as it is for you but objectively we can all agree yeah life is life is hard life can be tough and with with the regret especially now with with the days creeping ever closer to my mother's birthday um it's it's hard it's hard not to to just grab that bowl of soup of regret and and swallow it you know, and that, and then that's funny because I I've made friends with uh, this really talented uh, author uh, Natalie Harris. She has a book called Save My Life School, 
Um, and she has another book, a follow-up called Daily Lessons of Save My Life School. And I was humbled and fortunate enough to be a contributing author into a book um, that she's also in and put together and, and was a, a founding member of. And one of the sayings that she says is, don't eat shit soup. Don't eat shit soup. And I just said that there's a big bowl of regret soup, you know, because you're putting all these ingredients of regret in into a bowl and then I'm eating it. I'm, I'm swallowing it. Uh, and, 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 and it's, it's basically poison. You know, don't eat shit soup because uh, regret is, is you can't do anything about regret. That's the thing. You can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about who I was in those last months and years of my mom's life. I can't. And I will always wish that I could. I will always want to do something different. I will always want to be different. I will always want to have been a different person in that time. But I wasn't. The fact is I wasn't a different person. I was who I was. I was in, I was in pain. I am in pain. But I'm in a different pain now. I'm in a sober pain. And I'm, I'm now confronting that pain as opposed to dismissing it. I am allowing myself. Well, I guess not allowing I'm feeling that pain and I'm working really, really hard to find ways to dress the wounds so that one day that pain can be a little bit less, a lot less substantial than what it is. And I can't do anything about the, the guy that I was months ago, years ago. I can't. There's just there. And, and so if I, if I sit down and dine on the bowl of shit soup, I'm going to go nowhere good and I'm just going to gain the weight of regret and I'm going to wear that burden and be, you know, anathematized in a horrible rumination. And, it's, and, then, and that's no way to live. And I don't think that if my mom was here and I was able to introduce her to the boy or the man that I am now, that she wouldn't want her boy to live that way. That's all I can think to myself is that she wouldn't want me to be that. She wouldn't want me to to sit there and wear that burden, wear that weight. And and it it's hard. It's really hard because I I do bear a lot of it. And I I'm great at giving advice. You know, I I can give advice to people on on how they should go because I, when I look at somebody, I can see worth in them. And I can see how things should be for them, you know. And then when they tell me they're they're going through a really hard time or that they're feeling like dining on a bowl of shit soup, I I am able to tell them reasons not to. And I'm able to tell them authentic reasons why they shouldn't. And I'm genuine in my approach, but then when it comes to me, when it comes to the mirror, when it comes to my introspective confabulations, it's different because I don't find worth within myself. And the fact that my mother's not here and that the way in which she left with, with it being suicide, it's also easy to fall down the, well, you are worthless. If you weren't, your mother would have stuck around. Your mother would be here. And that's another terrible path to go down because it wasn't about me. What my mom did wasn't about me and it wasn't because of me. Or any of us as a family. You know, I, 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 I don't know. I was not in my mom's head, so I can't tell you the exact reasons of why. 
And I, I'm somewhat glad I'm not because I couldn't, I wouldn't want to be around that much pain. I've been around pain a, a lot in my life. And it was, it was my profession at one point. And yeah, I, um, I think ultimately what I'm saying is I just miss my mom. And on December 8th, I'm going to miss her a lot. And that I regret losing some years with her. Growing up, I missed a lot of time with her because she was sick with cancer. And when she wasn't sick with cancer, she had depression. And when it wasn't depression, it was manic, depressive episodes. And sometimes, even when my mom was manic, she she wasn't good to be around. And in the last little bit of her life, I regret not being there. I feel like a bad son. Like a bad man, a bad person. I'm eating shit soup, guys. I'm trying not to, but, um, you know, it's in front of me. December 8th is also in front of me. And it's coming up soon. And that means... That means I gotta buy KFC. Yeah, that was a random segue, right? (laughs) My mother was a fiend for KFC. An absolute fiend. That woman was so small and so diminutive in stature. But she could eat boatloads of the worst food that you have ever thought of in your life. The more oil, the more deep fried, the more heinously unhealthy, the more quantity my mother could consume. And she loved KFC. She loved the coleslaw. She loved the chicken. And after my mother's death, after she passed away, I, last year, I said, you know, when December 8th came, I was like, well, you know, I think as a way to honor my mom, um, I'm going to get KFC on her birthday every year. And um, and I'm going to eat some KFC and I'm going to have dinner with my mom. And so that means that, you know, in the <laughs> in juxtaposition of this new healthy-ish uh, lifestyle that I'm trying to, to live, I have to order a fucking bucket of KFC, <laughs> some coleslaw, and I have to sit down and eat this gloriously grotesque and insanely delicious chicken. <laughs> the dirty bird. Yeah, it's uh, basically what I'm saying or what I think I'm saying and what I think I'm telling myself is that like Natalie says, don't eat shit soup because regret is the main ingredient of shit soup, in my opinion. And you can and you can eat it, but it's going to it's going to fester and it's going to it's going to hurt you. And that's all it is going to do. That is all regret is designed to do. Regret does not help you move forward. And regret does not help you become a better person or choose or make better decisions when faced with similar or exact circumstances later on. The only thing that does that is healthy introspection and assessment. I was drunk. I'm not anymore. I made a decision to go and get some help and no longer be that version that I regret of myself. 
But instead of living in that regret, I decided to go do something about it. I think that's what needs to happen in, in this situation. I could have easily put that milk down and left the store and I would have regretted not getting milk. I would have regretted walking out of that store with no milk for my house. And I wouldn't have gone to get milk for a few days. I know that about myself. I would have just, I would have, I would have, man, I would have been taking a shit shower for fuck's sakes for days with no milk, which means I would just be stubborn, drink tea with, without milk until eventually the, the, uh, the sting of the, the initiate initiation of the pain until that sting went away. I wouldn't have got milk. But instead, I stood in line and I held that carton of milk with my mother's birth date on it. December the 8th. And I held that in my hand and I bought some milk. I didn't walk out. I didn't have any regrets. And I don't have any regrets of being able to know my mom for 34 years. That's more than some people. And I wish I could know her for 34 more. It crushes me that she's not here. And it absolutely destroys me that I couldn't introduce her to who I am now. I couldn't phone her up to say, Hey mom. With a sober voice. And a clear mind. Still in pain, sure. But a different version a different version of me. Hey, Mom. Look who I am now. Look at where I'm going. Look at what I'm doing. I'm your son. And I'm working really hard. I didn't get a chance to do that. That'll be something that I have to work on with relation to regret and feeling regret. But I can tell you I'm not in a shit shower. I got milk. I actually have a tea right here beside me. And, uh, yeah. It's easy to get bogged down, folks. It's easy to let that voice inside of us, that nefarious voice, tell us to eat that soup, to have that shower, that shit shower, not a good shower. Or to walk away without buying the milk. It's too painful. Don't be here. This hurts too much. Get away. I can't live my life that way. I've, I lived my life that way and it led me to now. It led me to having those regrets. There's a big chunk of my life that's gone in between when I was around, you know, 30 to now. There's a big chunk of that that's gone in a bottle. I'm not saying that it, that it was all bad and I never had any positive comfort. I'm sure I did. I don't remember a lot of it. I remember a lot of times being drunk. I remember being sad a lot. I'm still sad, but the thing is, I, like I said before, and I've said it a couple times throughout this, this rambling, that I'm working on it. And I think that's the main difference. Is I'm working on it now. When I'm sitting in my therapist's office, I'm working. When I do stuff like this, as opposed to uh, grabbing a bottle, I'm working. When I talk to you guys on this mic, when I send this out into the ether, I'm working. And I'm hopeful. I'm hoping that this, that me rambling like this can resonate with somebody else who's rambling in their own head. 
because I know that I'm not alone. I, I'm, I, I'm not the only person to go through heartache and heartbreak. Pain is not unique. It is ubiquitous. We all feel it. And today, I, I'm feeling it. You know, I, I had a nightmare last night. Again, it was about that fucking kid, that 14-year-old kid. And uh, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't phone my mom. And you know, my brothers and my sisters, they all have their own life. They got their own kids. I can't burden them. I can't put this cross on them. So I can't phone them at random hours. So I sat there and I started thinking about that phone call with my mom. And when I went in to make a tea, to sit down and have something warm to drink, I had to grab that milk carton that said December 8th. And I looked at it for a bit. And introspectively, I, I had a conversation with my mom. In my head, I did. It was more so the forlorn wishes that you were still here. Things like that. But I woke up this morning. I didn't stay in bed, even though I wanted to. My body told me to. My mind told me to. I didn't. I got up. I've actually had a shower today. I've made another tea. I've had something to eat. I've had some breakfast. I'm doing okay. And that's the thing. I think I'll be okay. I'm allowed to be sad. It's sad that my mom's not here, and it's sad that she committed suicide. That suicide killed her. It's it's heartbreaking. And it sucks that in a couple of weeks' time, I have to celebrate a day that she's no longer here to celebrate with. A day that my mother came into this world, and she's no longer here. And it's okay to be sad because of all those things. I think I'd be a fool not to be. But I'd be an even bigger fool to live in sadness. So I refuse. I refuse. She wouldn't want it. And if I want to introduce her to that version that I talked about, that sober version of me that's worked through therapy and working to get better, then I damn sure didn't don't want to live in, in sadness. I don't want to be steeped in, in that version of myself. I've been there. She knows that version of me. I know that version of me. And I'm better than that version of me. I have to be. And I think we all can. I think we all have that ability. So those those are the things that I regret. There's a lot more the, of things that I regret, but I've been rambling on for 34 minutes, so I figure that's enough. <laughs> There's only so many things that you want to hear me talk about regret. If you want to hear me talk about regret of my romantic life, well, there's a few episodes on that too. Maybe a little less taxing on the listener. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that for now. Mom, if you're listening, I love you. Thanks for picking up the phone that night. Thank you.